Hello. Hi, Joe. You all right? Yeah, not bad, mate. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you very much. Um, thanks ever so much for giving up your time. Mate. I really appreciate you you taking time yeah, out. No I know you're a busy yeah, man. No problem, Thank you ever so much. Um, before I go any further, mate, great news about CJ. Excellent stuff, isn't it? Yeah, listen, it's like uh, like Christmas today. CJ's up training and yeah. uh, he's with me, staying with me. And uh, he couldn't go to sleep last night. And I was awake at five o'clock this morning while we were <laughs> waiting for it to be announced at half nine. And uh, it's just like Christmas today for him, mate. He's got a smile as, as big as you've ever seen. And yeah. It's just, uh, just for him to be people talking about him again and Absolutely. being relevant again. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, it, it's good for him. I, I speak to him a fair bit as, it, as you know yourself obviously he's such a cracking lad and he, he's always uh, happy to give up a bit of time he's, he's just in the next town from where I am and uh, arguably I think his reputation's got even higher during his inactivity which is not the way around you'd obviously want it but through seeing all the others and dare I say some of the fragilities that some of the others have got is is probably well without doubt the, the top light heavyweight for me in Britain so onwards and upwards hopefully I'll get some big fights yeah hopefully that's the plan like I said we've gone signed a, a, a good deal with um, Queensbury George Warren Frank Warren and yeah. uh, it'll be uh, the start and like you say he started with uh, Frank Warren yeah. and um, like you say so it, for him going back uh, there it, it's just he's pleased in that sense because that's where he started with that's where his dad took him to do you know what I mean and yeah, uh, yeah. the wheels of the world turn in a different way at times that we don't understand but like you say he's there now and uh, as you said there him not fighting without fighting his stock has risen his profile and his position as the number one in the country yeah. it's been solidated without him fighting so he's got an opportunity now he'll be out fighting soon and um, like you say you, you, you look at uh, Frank who's got Lyndon Harper and Anthony Yard and that and yeah. I think they've got to have a rematch but Cam's number one like you say what we've told Frank and he's assured us yeah. we want the world title get yeah. that world title and uh, we'll defend against whoever else whether it be Yard or Harper but uh, Callum really wants that world title shot whoever it may be definitely um, we're going to talk a little bit about the amazing things that have happened for you and in, in your coaching career and the exciting projects that you're currently involved with um, shortly but I would just like to if you don't mind sort of go back to the early throws of your coaching career now you fought as a youngster out of Withenshaw gym didn't you and then later out of Phil Martin's gym at Moss Side that's right yeah um, can you remember your first experience going into Moss Side a ABC were you, were you nervous as a young man or what was the yeah no I think I was 17 at the time and uh, we were from Withenshaw we used to get the bus into Manchester yeah. down Princess Parkway and outside it was uh, Phil had a, a, a banner and a, a mural of Hagler and Duran outside it was called Champs Camp yeah. and, uh, and it was going and it was doing really well Moss Side ABC um, on, the, on the circuit and we'd see them and they'd come in and were building quite a reputation obviously I think Morris Cole got to the ABA final in his 12th fight and yeah. Ted Bingham had been Ted Kershaw an England kid and they're doing good things and we were obviously 17 years of age being schoolboy junior and before and, and they were predominantly at a senior club they didn't have many schoolboys yeah. and um, I decided one Sunday morning because uh, I knew it was open to go up and I remember walking up the stairs the big stairs and yeah. went up there and Phil was stood there quite an opposing figure yeah. and he was taking someone skipping 
and um, he says, yeah, I said, I told him who I was and where to box and all that. I said, could I uh, come and uh, train and join the gym? Yeah. And uh, Phil says, yeah, be here tomorrow, six o'clock. Don't be late, the doors are locked at six. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember going down the stairs and running, this was <laughs> bus station, Princess Parkway, running to the bus station that was dead excited that he said, yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, like I say, he was right about locking the door because I used to get there early, get the earlier bus so I wouldn't be late. And yeah. uh, I remember the gym door being shut numerous times um, that people weren't allowed in, whether it was five minutes, two yeah. minutes, ten minutes, don't care who they were, ABA, seniors, whoever. Yeah. Everyone had to be in by six o'clock and the door was shut and eventually everyone did. And it was the same when we used to go for sprints on a, on a, a Sunday morning. It was 10 o'clock and uh, if you weren't there, and that was it. And I think me getting the bus, it was only Sunday service, so they ran on the hour. So it, it was like, I had to sort of like get there like 20 Ridiculous past eight bus or, yeah. or, yeah, or half eight bus to make sure I got there, got the half nine and wasn't there. So it was just anything, but yeah, it was just great to be there. I remember I went there and was going, oh, you don't want to go there, you know, you don't want to go there, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's not many whites there and all yeah. that stuff to beat you up and the whole it's vicious there and it's hard and that never did turn me, it's just made me want to join even more and it, yeah. was, uh, it was great. I guess those sort of things as well, especially as a young man, sort of stick in your mind, that, that disciplined approach and, and a very consistent way of doing things, you know, like locking the door and it doesn't matter who you are, that, that's when it starts and it's important I suppose, isn't it, to set that kind of precedent for for young up-and-coming fighters. Yeah, of course it is. I have it with my professionals in the gym. Yeah. Um, when we say a time, there's a time, um, and that's it, and there's times they come in five, ten minutes late, and I say to them, but if you had got the airport catching a plane, you wouldn't miss it. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. that's it, and there's times in the past where they haven't turned up for training sessions, but they'd make a phone call. Yeah. So sometimes I'd arrange a session or a running session, not turn up. Yeah. Then my phone goes off and I'd say, now you know how it feels. Yeah. If you can't make it, phone and say, I can't come in the gym today. I've got this and I've got that. On. Or I've got to get up, prepare, go in the gym, set it up and be ready to do work. And you're not turning up. That's like lack of respect. You, know, yeah, you don't do that. So just put in, just, just treat people the way you want to be treated yourself and, and yeah. that's it. So. Yeah, like you're saying, I've been quite fortunate that most of them are good with that. There's still one or two that don't tell you, but like you say, you, you yeah. pull them every now and again. I mean, you mentioned there about um, the area and, and how people had sort of stories and, and warned you off and stuff. I'm probably not best place to comment. I'm, I'm from the northeast, and, and you're a northeast man, uh, a northwest man, should I say. But I remember travelling to shows at the MEN sort of on my own. I just loved going to watch Khan or uh, Crawler or David Hay and stuff. And I remember, I didn't know why, I just knew this um, perceived idea to be wary of sort of Moss Side and, Moss side and its reputation. W was there ever any part of you, you said there you weren't too perturbed about going to the gym, but did you ever feel that intimidating sort of presence about the area? I, I, that I no, I think at the time, because when we joined at the time, there was uh, a big uh, gang warfare going on between Gooch and Doddington yeah. and um, that type of thing. But as Phil says, there's only one or two. The trouble was is everyone was getting a bad name over one or two yeah. people. Do you know what I mean? Or three or four. Yeah. But predominantly, a lot of people were good, Phil. I think Moss Side had its name, like Toxford, and other areas. But yeah. of the riots, 
Yeah. And um, I think that that was it at the time. But I always went, did my stuff, came away, never, not a word, not a sound or, or nothing. And I, I think if you just keep it like anywhere in life, you just get your head down and you're going to do your work and you're focused and your mind's elsewhere, you're not looking around for trouble and yeah. it can't just keep you down. And like I say to you, people say there's a few people about watch yourself and you keep your wits about you and yeah. like you say, standing and getting the bus home at nine o'clock at night, half nine at night. I mean, you just got to make sure you're there and you get on the bus and you get out. But like you say, we, we never, anything. it was a good area. There's lots of good people that were very supportive of the gymnasium. They were very proud of the gymnasium. Yeah. It was something in the community that they didn't have at the time. And it was only, uh, beacon of light that was there for all the kids and the youngsters in the in the in the area. Yeah. And you come out of Moss uh, Manchester at night and taking the bus, whether it be 101, 105 home. Uh, that was the only place that was lit up, and the windows were full of sweat where everyone was in there training and yeah. was taking the kids off the street and giving them an opportunity to learn good life skills and discipline, dedication, and focus. And that was just very much like the Ingalls story. There's lots yeah. of success stories of Bill Martin, his British champion, but there's lots success stories of people that went on then and used what they learned at the gym in life and went on to become accountants, doctors, lawyers, painters, and decorated mechanics and just yeah. used the work ethic and the discipline and the dedication that he took from boxing into everyday life and uh, obviously he, he had great success with the amateurs field and with the professionals and he was took away at such a very early age of 44 which, which is no age really. No, no an, an absolute um travesty really like you're saying yeah i mean you were a fighter in your own right obviously but how how soon was it um that you began to sort of become more interested in the the analyzing and the coaching and and sort of helping out what was it helping out at first was that then the natural progression that rolled into something else yeah i think when i was up there the damage club before it within forum where in Jimmy Egan had a huge influence on my career from age 10 to, to 17 and I still used to go and see him after it for advice yeah. um, before he passed away um, he was somebody that I think people put me when others saying oh you're wasting your time but stuck with me but when I got to around 15 then and we had the kids coming in at age 11 and 12 I, I used to like help them and give advice and yeah. watch things and see things and help at shows and help Jimmy and in the changing rooms and help take the little ones of the pads coming through and just got involved in that way and then seeing kids take heed of what you say and, and then applying it and doing it and I, I always was that way, way inclined even when I was at my side when yeah. I went to my side it was already in there and then when I used to sit in the office with Phil and sit me down and watch opponents for Tony Acubia or Frank Grant or Carl Thompson and um, like you say, we used to say right this, and I'd watch it, and then well, Phil would show me a different way of watching it and different things, and like I say, it was a proper education. And yeah. Phil, that champs got there, was right, six hundred, seven hundred VHS video cassettes of wow. hundreds of fights, amateurs, professionals, yeah. and I must have backed up around three hundred of them for him, but in the catalogue, <laughs> watched them. So yeah. that was a great learning experience. That was like my. Uh, Oxford University degree at Champs Camp. Um, doing that with Phil, being with him in the offices in the daytime and watching the pros train and helping out and being around that and, and learning that experience when the gym at the time was thriving. Like I say, yeah, Frank Grant, Paul Burke, Steve Garber, Morris Cole, Carl Thompson, um, uh, Frank Eubank, Des Robinson, Mario Culpepper, yeah. unbelievable stable of fighters. I mean, and the Foster was in there as well. So it's, yeah, it was great times. And then to see, uh, Billy Graham arrived and Phil Martin 
giving Billy Graham a, yeah. a, a, a chance back into the sport and watching Billy evolve and um, grow and then um, see him go on. So, yeah, like you say, it was a great time and a great education. Absolutely. Um, you, you worked as a coach with the amateurs, didn't you, initially? And, and when you then worked as a pro coach later on what what were the fundamental differences that you had to adjust to as a pro trainer what, was there a lot of difference did you have to come to terms with big differences when you switched over or yeah i think i think uh, with amateur boxing um when i was coaching amateur at the time um it was very much um just like it was like it is now and yeah. um, what well, it's gone back to now but then being brought in the computer system so as an amateur coach you had to adapt and apply and become uh, uh, get used to the computer scoring so me as an amateur coach then I went and became a, an amateur judge yeah. so I could understand the computer system so I was a judge at shows so I was willing to get a feel for it yeah. I felt that benefited me then as an amateur coach for my fighters yeah. uh, in the amateurs so like I said Joe Murray went to Olympics Foster went to the Worlds won ABA schools and everything else and then turning professional then after being having this computer style fencing yeah. Going back to the pros, um, a lot of the amateurs were turning over with that computer-style boxing um, style, so that was it. But slowly but surely now, it's evolving back to how it was in the 70s and the 80s when you win the ABA to turn over the, yeah. the little pros again, aren't they? So, yes. yeah, you had to adapt and you had to apply. And uh, that, was a, that was a huge change as a coach from having to go learn one craft to then go learn another and then come back to another and then try and still today evolve and look and yeah. watch and learn. You can't stop learning. Yeah. Um, I, I guess like a lot of boxing trainers, probably initially the, the dream for a lot of them is to win a world title and, and for you obviously it would probably be no different and you worked with fighters who kept coming very close I think you worked with Matthew Macklin didn't you when he when he lost his turn um, also you had John Murray who went over and gave Rios a, a really tough fight and gave away plenty of weight as well um, and then all of a sudden uh, like buses you end up with 2015 you ended up with three I think Quig was the first one wasn't he how sweet was it when you got that first world title yeah it's funny because people say to me um, say you watch world champion I never was coaching as an amateur to win stuff it was in me to, but I wanted the best for the kids and I think if it could be a schoolboy champion you should be so it was about me I thought he should be a schoolboy champion he definitely could be ABA champion yeah. and I'd grab them to bring the best out of him yeah. and I think that was the same as a professional coach when Matthew Macklin came to me everyone was writing him off and his first fight with me was Wayne Elcock for the British title yeah. and well, Elcock had just lost to Abraham and he was the favourite and I just thought I remember Macklin as an amateur so I've gotten back to basics with amateur stuff and I just thought that if there's more to come from Matthew obviously he won the British with me then he won the European and then we fought Stern but I wanted to see the best of Matthew I wanted to see the best of John Murray and I've never gone chasing uh, the money or the drugs. it's just a case of trying to get the best and seeing where that takes us yeah. and then like you say when Scott Quigg and Liam Smith and Anthony Crawler they all came it was like wow I mean it's just just keeping them basic fundamentals right at the beginning right through not getting carried away and just making yeah. sure in training training just as hard and just as smart and with it then what you want to do when you finish your boxing career put your hand on your heart and go Joe I gave it the best that I did what you yeah. don't want to do is think Joe what, oh, I wish I trained a little bit harder because them type of 
fights happen when you're an amateur. Yeah. You don't take training easy. You fight a kid in the championships and you get beat. Yeah. You, you know you you know you're miles better than that kid. You'll never get that opportunity again because they won't give it you. Yeah. But they're off and running with it. So in the pros, you can't make that mistake. So you've got to make sure that you keep like that because if you lose once, it's like yeah. a share in the stock exchange. If you get beat, you've got to come crashing down. You know, value yeah. to the promoters. So you've got to not allow any slip up. So when I go to bed at night, I want to know that I put my hand out and go, I've done my best. Yeah. Well, that fighter. And dream with a six rounder, eight, ten British European world title fight. It's down to them then what they do outside of that. It's up to them to make sure they eat the right stuff, do the right sleeping, they're not social media enough, and they recover. Yeah, they know that because when you come near there, and that was the thing with Macklin, he had the perfect camp and done everything, and it just killed me. I just thought. How has this not happened? He's yeah. trained the best, we've done the best, we've gained, but how has this not happened? And I just suck it, it was, it just wasn't your time. Yeah. And just went away and maybe more determined again than with the rest of them, and, and that's how it's always been. I mean, you're right, and I was going to say, especially in this business, it's such a fickle business that there's not really a sport like it where you can take a defeat and it's it's almost forgotten you can come back. And I know that fights don't happen as often as some matches do in other sports but the the nature of it like you say you have to be so consistent and you have to leave everything everything there and I, I was, I was going to come to it later on but you, you've just said there you invest so much and it must be really hard as the trainer as well because you know your fight will be hurting and the emotion and the time invested that you spend with them do, does that ever do you ever carry that around after is that difficult to shake or is it something that you have to come accustomed too quickly is it is it hard um, like anything uh, I think Sean and Sean Hagen will be feeling it a lot this week with Josh Warrington yeah lots of the weekend I, I, I listen it's great when we're all winning but I'm telling you now as a coach they all think it's great but when they lose yeah there's nothing worse than a losing changing room there's nothing yeah. worse than the girlfriends coming in and the crying and the silence and the stillness it's absolutely awful horrible yeah. And I'm not saying I'm a bad loser. It's like if we lost and we lost to a better kid. Yeah. Hands up. I mean, Lamachenko, whatever. John Canelo. You have your hands up. You just go fucking all yeah. that shit off. And yeah. yeah. But when, when, when you lose and it's been tough and you didn't get it and that's it's just hard or you feel you've been done. It's just it's just it's just horrible to see. Mm-hmm. Horrible to see somebody hurt physically with a broken jaw or a bad cut and yeah. emotionally and the world in tatters and everyone builds up to having it and also not only that though being in world title fights where you had it you had it you had the fight yeah. Callum Johnson's one he had it he had yeah. it in his hands yeah. but he let it slip and he's forever regretting that so you've got to work it's like snakes and ladders he hit that fucking snake and gone all the way back down the bottom yeah. so he's got to come all the way up the board again well that's hard yeah. that 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 that, that changed his life forever and it's like other fights as well we're dealing boxing that is so relentless that there's no forgiveness in it you have to take your opportunity with both hands and that's the difference between amateur and professional and amateur you have losses and you can come back from them but professional you can't you've got to take it when you get it 
unless you're a big money where there's money behind you like Joshua where they can give you the money for the rematch yeah. but when they say oh you take this fight and we'll bring you back they don't no. Jose Burton never got a rematch with Frank Buck the owner yeah. you know what I mean Sam Hyde never got a Richard Riappo it, it doesn't doesn't happen do you understand so it's unless you're a big commodity you bums and seats and you everything else so you've got to do it so it's uh, it's lessons learned and um, obviously on the back of the announcement Calvin Johnson say Calvin Johnson knows now why right he yeah. has the opportunity again by hook or crook it can be King Kong Yeah, he's not losing and that's yeah. the mentality he has and that he's got to have because um, at the end of the day I step down it's down to you in that ring to, to, to take matters in your own hand. And he did when he fought Frank Bogleone, yeah. as did other fighters, but that, that, that's the thing. But yeah, it does, and it does affect you. I, I, I remember a bit when Ricky lost Billy Graham, so I disappeared for a little while. Yeah. And listen, I had a horrible Christmas. I had a terrible New Year. Yeah. Depressing January over Callum Smith, yeah. losing Scott Quick. I could never watch that fight when he lost to Brampton for over nearly a year. Yeah. I just, it's just. It's just too painful to watch. Why do I watch that again? Yeah. People say you're too emotionally invested, but I feel you have to have that feeling with them. You're in it together to win. Do you understand? Oh, I think so, yeah. And that's it. It's not some trainers that are taking what they call blood money. They just turn up, take the money and go. But you can't be that. You've got no. to be invested with them and they have to feel that you've got their back and they've got yours. And I think that's it. You win together, you lose together. But it's horrible. When Natasha Jonas got knocked out in Wales, yeah. no one person went in the change rooms afterwards, no one from the board, no one from the bathroom, no one from Sky, just crying her eyes out. Yeah. I said, it's fun to say, got her in the car home, and do you know what? I drive home, her crying, sobbing, a grown woman, yeah. back to Liverpool. That haunts you. It's yeah. absolutely horrible. Yeah. And that, 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 and no, you can't shake it off, and they do stick with you, and yeah. it does affect you. Absolutely, and, and those are the sort of things that, like you said, it's such an un- unforgiving industry, and it, it you must have to detach yourself a little bit from um, the rest of what's going on, because people just don't understand that level of compassion and that level of connection that you have with your fighters. And you always seem to have a really tight-knit group, and I, I know a lot of stables often say that they do, but... There genuinely seems, even through transitions of different fighters, you seem to have that family feel, and 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 I can't think off the top of my head, you know, very few fighters move away from your stable either to relocate possibly or something else. But is there? We'll come back. Max yeah, of course. Back. Scott, Scott left came and back. back. Yeah, and then. Um, everyone else stay out of the gym and uh, I think that's why it goes on so well and I always try and treat everyone 
the same, whether he counts with ring champion or Marcus Morrison or Sam Hyde, I always try and treat him the same. Everyone has the, 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 the time in the sun when it comes to the fights, and yeah. and that's it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you definitely get that. Definitely comes across um, within your group. I mean, I could do with an entourage when I go to work at the on the uh, on the railway on a Saturday night when everyone's had a belly full, but that's a different <laughs> story. Bit, yeah. <laughs> um, how much of your coaching mate is taken sort of by inspiration? from others and snippets from others and, and how much do you think of it is implemented with ideas from, from yourself is it is it a mixed mixed bag I, yeah I, I think I think it's also it's also your subject or your fighter yeah. I think you can't be saying for all you've got to as a lot of it's my management you've got to know what makes your fighter tick what doesn't what works for them what doesn't and I think obviously great having great coaches with Jimmy Egan and uh, Bill Martin yeah. and then um, being away on squads at times and watching Ian Irwin in the past do his stuff Terry Edwards and being around gyms I think Manuel Stewart used to watch him an awful lot and when he comes to England met him numerous times have good conversations always took the fighters over at Freddie's gym uh, got on well Freddie Roach up to Virgil Hunter um, Joe Goosen um, all them type of fighters but we go, do you understand you, 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 yeah. build, you build up relationships and you watch and you learn and you evolve you take bits away and pick things up and experience it is massive yeah. and, uh, and and that's it really and you just think you evolve and you just don't think you know you, you know it all do you know what I mean it's like yeah there is something like, out there that no, we're I'm still, I'm still, it's like boxing is one of the last sports to catch up with sports science and everything else and it's yeah. getting there now and, and like footballers they're not footballers athletes and boxers are the same they're athletes so they're evolving with s and they're evolving with nutrition and they're evolving in boxing but at the same time you can't change it too much yeah. at the end of the day you're a boxer and the basic things road work punching heavy bags yeah. sparring skipping speedball shadow boxing they're paramount yeah. the rest of bottoms I mean, inspiring the rest of bolt-ons you can't drift away too much from what it is a bit like a mobile phone yeah. you're there to make calls and receive calls bolt-ons because you've got this app and that app and crap but basically the phone's gone enough boxing's the same some people can get lost with the boxing with fancy pads or yeah. different stuff and everything else and it's it, 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 it's hard but like I say I, I do feel as people say that there's a new wave of coaches coming through yeah. um, and like you say it's um, a lot of the old ones uh, are going out but we've got to keep them old values uh, still going it's what's kept the sport going for, for hundreds of years whether you're uh, Jack Johnson Joe Lewis Sugar Ray Robinson Muhammad Ali Hagler Hearns, yeah. Mayweather Hopkins the old literature did all the same good work do you know what I mean yeah you're right and, and, and at the risk of sounding a bit sort of fuddy-duddy and I don't expect you to comment but there are some fighters who with all the basics like even the basics of a jab and you have some that neglect it so much and they're doing all this fancy pad work and this and the other and they aren't even getting the basics right some don't even spar some or, or you know um, allegedly don't spar but it's interesting in it like you say that the basics are the fundamental things that you need to get right yeah 100% like I say I just made a list of, of all the fake fighters but you can't find many video clips of them on the pads that's right yeah yeah but uh, yeah it's Mayweather's flash pads 
Manuel Stewart pads, but it wasn't loads of pads, it was just technique pads. Yeah. All the old great fighters were all on heavy bags, speedball, sparring, do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You've got to do it yourself, Padman can't help you do it, do you know what I mean? Definitely. Um, I look at the current crop you've got now, John, um, you, you've always had really good depth anyway and, and, and high quality, but you must be pretty excited um, about the prospect of some world titles coming back, especially with the likes of Tasha and CJ and of course Callum Smith as well, amongst, amongst others. You've still got plenty of people there who are um, aiming at a world title tilt, haven't you? Like I say, we obviously got Callum Johnson, uh, Paul Butler, Natasha Jonas, there be three Kadichia that I think will make inroads, will fight for world titles, and I've got great chances of winning them. Yeah. Liam Smith, another one. Yeah. Callum Smith, another one. Um, the, the opportunity to present this year, most probably be next year. Because obviously, you've got to look at the, the light middleweight situation for me with Texas and Chad and a pandemic. Um, Callum Smith coming back whenever he decides to well then three definitely I think we'll get a world title fight this year and then you've got your other fighters coming through Sam High British title Marcus Morrison British title yeah. um, and like you say I'm, I'm not listen I did an interview years ago about oh I'm not taking no one and I haven't I'm turned loads back KBA champions but they're still following those and if they're right for the kids that, that I feel suits the gymnasium yeah. wants to join and it's good and we sit down and I speak to all the fighters in the gym do my homework and give them a trial and if I think they're a fit then they'll, they'll join do you know what I mean the phone's still always ringing for me to take fighters on yeah. but it's got to be the, the right one not to upset the apple cart so yeah. it's, it's I mean one you just mentioned the crawler in the gymnasium yeah. he's helping me as a coach now um, he's evolving he's learning I'm teaching him I'm showing him and he, him himself is evolving and it's good for him to he's beginning to get a few little fighters himself now do you know what I mean he's doing a little bit with Alex the Magler who took on board recently um, and we've got another couple of uh, decent kids coming through who will be known very shortly but like you say it's, uh, it's just good to see the likes of Anthony Crawler who I first come across as a schoolboy when he beat my kid in the opposite corner yeah. and now I've, got, I've gone through the career with him and world champion and now to be involved with him in the gymnasium and seeing him grow uh, as a coach and learn that way so that, yeah. that's a, a very good positive story it's just fantastic isn't it I remember going to the Canberra era fight and watching Ant on, um, on, on the early card and, the, and he had a, a good following even even yeah. then and I, one of the questions I was going to ask you was have you obviously come full circle and you, and you were sort of picked out yourself as a, a good coach and trainer for the future and now you've got people like Ant Crawler from the outside looking in it looks like he could be one that would obviously take up that training mantle and, and carry on and, and like you say you've just confirmed that and what a story to work together for that long um, and then it evolved into him training other fighters as well like you said it's, it's just a fantastic story yeah no it is fantastic and the thing with Anthony he's always been in the corners for all the fights he's got big fight experience he, yeah. he knows the crack he's uh, been in rules meetings he knows and I, I did say to him when he lost to Lomachenko uh, or when he retired don't be a coach because you won't have your life but then <laughs> at the same time he didn't want to do himself and because he's such a yeah. good character in the yeah. gymnasium he's like, he's like a team captain yeah. he got involved and everything else but I still feel he's adapting to not having a life even though he's only having got two or three fighters he's soon realised yeah. he doesn't have a life for himself <laughs> and, uh, so she's got a young family and uh, I said to him don't take too much on too soon son do you know what I mean or yeah. like you say there'll be uh, trouble at home so like you say he's evolving but 
slowly, slowly. I mean, you you are Mr. Boxing, as 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 far as most people can see. You just live it, Joe, don't you? And and it leads me on nicely to your academy. I wonder how much of your how much were you influenced by seeing boxers and and how they manage their lifestyle whilst being a boxer and stuff was it were you keen to get that education element and that opportunity as a as a young person out there for people yeah 100 percent, definitely it was something i always wanted to do i remember when i was 16 and we left school and there was no boxing or colleges or anything like that you had to go out working or get a yts for 17 pounds so yeah. i was took out working on the roads and my dad flagging and curbing and concreting and that so that was it and uh, it was on peace work as well so hail rain snow was shine you were out and you crafted yeah. so that was it so uh, that opportunity like you say some talented kids out there that can't get on um, GB and that eh? but this is a pathway to it the Joe Gallagher Academy it's one of the ABA of England's seven hubs around the country and they see that now over the last three years as ours being the best now as far as the numbers and um, retention with the students with the pass marks like this even through the pandemic this last year's uh, exam results where they were finger everyone passed the maths and English and everything which is absolutely brilliant oh, in a pandemic fantastic. situation and we still hit, got full quota of students for disenrolment that were uh, started now this year so um, we've done a couple of virtual open evenings we've had the numbers in again and it's doing very well. We've got Tony Chandler, a fantastic coach, who took his coaching badge the same time as me, funny enough, but he's been part of the England setup at the Northwest coach. Yeah. We've got Elliot Udillion, who's a very good coach, who's got a degree in everything in sports, uh, SNC and nutrition. So the, the, the students coming through are really good. And these are students that are traveling from Liverpool on a train, yeah. Leeds from a train, every day, Leeds and yeah. Liverpool, every day, yeah. Carlisle, wow. Chester. They're coming in and we had a kid come from Boston, Lincolnshire up two years ago and relocated to Manchester and has come through it now and has gone into university. Then they've come through a couple of universities, gone into mental health and sport, some have gone into nutrition. So I'm really pleased and a couple of them now, like I said, we've got five national champions on it this year yeah. and a couple of them, uh, five, uh, yeah, five national champions and we've also got five girls, two of them are national champions wow. and some of them are getting looked at now at England and they're the pathway into go to Sheffield and be looked at so it's very good and I'm I'm really pleased of doing that and it's great going down and I'm bringing Callum or Tasha down or Crawler down and doing workshops with them and everything and uh, they come in the six weeks holidays or when they're off half term they'll come to the pro gym and sit and watch or mostly do a little bit of pad work with Crawler or myself like, I mean if the gym's quiet yeah. but that's great inspiration for them that they can walk in and watch Natasha Jonas or Callum Johnson Anthony Crawler Liam Smith you know what I mean it's, it's, it's great for them that's just invaluable for them and I just think it, it's such an amazing concept um, for you to do that and like we said earlier and, and like you quite rightly said about tangible rewards are fantastic you, you've got an unbelievable uh, win streak. You, you've got numerous titles. I think you've been involved in over a hundred world title fights. But t- they're all amazing. But to be making a difference as well to people's lives, actually affecting the trajectory of people's lives, is is that must be so heartening for yourself. That must be fantastically rewarding and make you so proud. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, listen, I uh, love the work through the academy. I always remember as an amateur coach. 
when you know how much coaching kids come through the door, age 10, 12, 13, 14, and listen, they're low on, um, some of them are low on uh, confidence. Yeah. Some have got no um, coordination. They're not really doing well at school. They get picked on at school. The parents have brought them in to sort of like give them a bit of backbone or whatever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you see this kid over a period of time, you get a bit of coordination, learn to skip, yeah. to punch, see his confidence grow. And then over a period of time, anyway, next thing you know, they're having the first bout. Yeah. And years ago, it used to be a social labour club or wherever, a sports hall. And everyone would turn up for that kid's first bout. The parents, the grannies, the cousins, aunties, the uncles, yeah. everyone. And that kid would fight and win. Now, yeah. he'd win and he'd get a trophy. Now, the trophy could be a cup size, it could be the size of the television. Yeah. But you know what? See the tear in his eye and the excitement. But the tears in the parents' eyes and the hugs and the loves and the kisses and everything. Yeah. Money can't buy that. I don't care whether Absolutely. you're a world champion or whether I've won world titles or anything else. Them moments. Yeah. And you still can't buy money, can't buy that. That kid that the old boat was written off. Yeah. Has just got off, got open for 200 people. Yeah. In a box in a social club and boxed, which is intimidating, and won. Yeah. And then to see him being kissed and born and the parents see there, Johnny, and it's just. It's just great money just can't buy that and i think that's the same with, it, with the academy as well to give these kids a, a start and like you say we, we try to fund the trips for them to go to barcelona to be inspired by going around the new camp and yeah. give them a, an idea of like this is what life's like you yeah. put it to it do you know what i mean and uh, make them become responsible and give them goals to achieve and make them be inspired that's the key words be inspired and motivated yeah. we've just done a uh, a video clip recently of a, a trailer about the academy and um, that's good because all kids like to see themselves in a video clip of some sort but then when it goes out and then you've got the likes like Crawler retweeting it yeah. or like Callum Johnson and Natasha Jonas, do you know what I mean, Callum Smith, do you know what I mean, they're like wow and their parents are like wow and I think it gets lost yeah. when you're being in sport how much an influence you can be to them yeah. 15 so you've got to take yourself back to when you were 15 and 16 and when yeah. probably you look up to Ricky Hatton or Cam Johnson looked up to Joel Kawasaki or whatever yeah. and if they were to retweet stuff of you how you'd feel you'd go oh Kawasaki retweeted the video that I'm in and yeah. that gets lost sometimes and, and I think it's key to always have them feelings and them thoughts and uh, to oh, do good definitely. things as I always say hashtag be kind yeah absolutely and like you said yourself like just an acceptance of when you went to Phil Martin's gym, running all the way home, you're that excited. That, that's that's what it's all about, isn't it? Having that engagement and that that sort of acceptance and stuff. But all that remains me for me to say, Joyce, thanks ever so much, mate. I really appreciate um, you taking time out, and um, it's not lost on me, mate. I'm, I'm really appreciative. So no problem, mate. Sam, thanks for giving us a call. Yeah, no problem. Um, I'll get the rate up done probably over the next week, mate. And obviously, I'll uh, I'll, I'll tag you in and send it over. Thanks ever so much. Take take care, mate. No worries. Yeah, all the best for the uh, for the for the stable, mate. And I wish you wish you well in the future. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Bye now, mate. See ya.